fear the talking queers. Now that we're all here, the party can begin. Hey, bitch. Hey, bitch. I'm Frankie. And I'm Jake. And bitches, you are in for a show tonight because we are not alone. <laughs> There's somebody else in this room right now. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I'm very, very scared. You should be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Please welcome to the show, the Carpenter Queens. Woo! Hello. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Thank oh my you. gosh! A warm welcome. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, go ahead and introduce yourselves. Who are you? Well, hello everyone. I am Nicholas. I am Employee of the Month three months in a row. I'm very proud of myself. Oh, yes. I love that. I love that. <laughs> and I am Raymond, the other co-host of the Carpenter Queens, and I clean the bathrooms. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Over there, TCQ video. <laughs> <laughs> So for our listeners out there wanting to know a little bit more about you, why don't you guys explain about your show and uh, where they can find it and when they can listen. Oh, I always feel so nervous when I'm put on the spot like that. But the Carpenter Queens, we run our <laughs> podcast through a very fictional TCQ video bathroom. And we run a rental store that only shows horror, the good, the bad, the ugly, and everything fierce in between. Ow. <laughs> I love your like a concept of that you know you guys really stick to this like video <laughs> store concept. I love it. It's so good. Yeah, I feel like when you step into our TCQ video store, you can expect our knowledgeable staff of two to be spooky and stupid. Wait, do you work there too, Frankie? Um, <laughs> 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 no, I actually did work there before, but I got fired. For what? <laughs> For giving out blowjobs in the bathroom. Hello. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, we are so excited to have you guys here uh, to join the fun. This is the second half of our double feature because we did Halloween 2018 on the Carpenter Queens podcast. If you have not listened to that, go do that first and then come back here for the sequel. Yes, absolutely. It's a twofer. A twofer one. Love it. Yeah, we're super excited to listen to your episode. It was such fun getting to record it. Oh, it was a freaking blast. It was so much fun and now I'm really worried to do this one because we, <laughs> oh, had, no. we had wonderful things to say for 2018 and I have <sighs> questionable Uh-oh. feelings about 2021. I feel like that's what's going to make it really good though. I mean, yeah. what a contrast, right? <laughs> oh, I mean, the divisiveness of the horror community right now is bigger than ever. Like Malignant really shoved that wedge in there and now Halloween Kills is just <laughs> yes. widening the gap. <laughs> Yeah, that is so true. That's so true. We'll get into it. But before that, we got to spin some of our October wheels for our trick or treat. Bring out the wheel. Yeah, spin it. No whammies, no whammies, no whammies, no whammies, no whammies. Stop. (laughs) Oh my God. Okay, so (laughs) this week... We need to tell the listeners what they can do to put a last minute Halloween costume together. (laughs) Ooh, okay. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay, who has any ideas? The only one that I could really think of, I was like, okay, last minute Halloween. If it's a last minute Halloween costume, what do I have near me and what do I want to do? 
I want to be a spooky slut. I feel like that just fits the aesthetic. Yes. Right? Yeah. So let's pull a number out of Mikey's hat and just pull maybe a napkin over my head and call myself a ghost. And then everything else goes. And then everything else is just in the nude. Oh my God. <laughs> that is genius. That's so fun. Just a napkin over your head with eye holes. That's so funny. <laughs> and the glasses. But also another napkin over the trunk just to make sure. Yeah. Yes. Really. Yes. You, you know, because you're classy. <laughs> <laughs> or shove a napkin in your ass cheek. <laughs> <laughs> That's my idea. Does anyone else have any others? Um, I was, I didn't quite go that slutty of a route. <laughs> I thought I came up with a slutty concept, but that was, that was just trash, Ooh, mama. But anyways, <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like every like queer person has jeans that they cut up into shorts and a flannel. <laughs> You totally. put those two together, you get some like face makeup really quick to make yourself look into a werewolf and you can be a slutty werewolf. Yes. I've been wanting to do that costume for so long <laughs> and I've never done it. But I'm always like, this is the year. I'm going to go buy those cheap, like fuzzy werewolf gloves from Spirit. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought, I was like, do you know what? I, I can knock out some like face paint stuff. Like okay. give it, paint your body. You don't even need to buy a costume. There you go. Just use body paint. Oh, would that be cute? Oh my gosh, we love that. Very cute. Well, uh, Rebecca Romaine. Yes, exactly. You could be a Smurf. Mm-hmm. I love it. Just <laughs> one one color, blue all over. It can change throughout the night. You can be from the Avatar movie. Yeah. At one party, a Smurf at another party. Yeah, Blue Man Group. <laughs> Hello. The lost member of the blue man group. <laughs> yes, but like I yeah, but nothing on, just blue. Why not? <laughs> she went and blew yeah. herself. I died, I froze to death. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a I'm a blue person. Hello. <laughs> yes. Okay, my last minute Halloween idea. I have two, okay? So <laughs> the first one is like everyone has a pair of basketball shorts. So just cut those bitches hella short up to your coochie and then wear a really skin tight shirt and tuck it in and you're from sleepaway camp. Boom. Oh. <laughs> My other one was real quick. Just go to the store and get the tackiest black and white wig that you can find and be Sherry Moon Zombie in the Munsters. <laughs> oh my god, you're so dumb. That's what they did. No one was surprised, but yet I was disappointed, but not surprised. Thank you. Like, that, damn it, why? That is what Erica from Homies of Horror said. She's like, I'm disappointed, yeah. but I'm not surprised. Like, it <laughs> right. is so predictable. And she's wearing the tackiest. I'm like, I hope these aren't the finalized hair and makeup choices because that looked, all of them, I thought, looked horrible. She looked like her look from the Living Dead Girl video. Yeah. Very They looked like an SNL skit. I was like, this is fine. Yes. Yeah, it, it looks like really, really low budget to like, the. they look like cheap spirit Halloween costumes. I mean, I guess the guy's less, but... Not really. Herman Munster, I was like, not this. And also like, um, the Count, I was like... Not that big prosthetic nose. Like, I don't know. It's just a lot. There's a lot going on. I was like, I hope this is just like a a test. A screen test. Yeah. And if it was, he should not have posted it. (laughs) Seriously. Definitely. All proud. Meet (laughs) the Munsters. I'm like, ew. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) They thought they were doing some big reveal. Like, they were like, oh my God, the the greatest thing ever. They're going to love it. 
here's Sherry Moon. Like, everyone's like, ah. He's like, they're going to lose their minds, babe. They love you. <laughs> You're a star, baby. You're a star. Your yeah. comedy's on point. You're, uh, you can bring <laughs> drama. <laughs> you, know, yeah. you know this means that we're going to see Lily Munster's titties. <laughs> <laughs> and we cut the ass out of your dress, so this will ride at home, babe. <laughs> yeah, her Lily Munster is about to come out. <laughs> that Wolf Munster. <laughs> her Eddie Munster is about to come out. <laughs> Oh my god, no. I did not lose my mind over this, but I definitely lost my interest. (laughs) (laughs) I lost my respect. (laughs) Ray and I both watched Halloween Kills the same night, same exact time. Immediately after, all I texted was, girl. And she texted back, girl. I I need to know. I watched it a few days before Jake, and my first response was, I can't wait for you to watch it so I can t- actually talk to you about it. And then Jake messaged me, goes, just got out of Halloween Kills. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> like, wow. Like, Normally, we don't like to talk about any of the movies that we're going to record on until, like, the actual recording. This yeah. is, like, the one movie that we broke that rule. I was like, I have to talk to you immediately. I need to talk through you, this trauma with you immediately (laughs) yeah yeah, it's an interesting one um so halloween kills great box office this week i mean it is one thing we can say about this movie is that it is killing it financially which to be honest is a win for the franchise absolutely you know i think you know anytime a horror movie you know can slay that box office um is a win i would say um no matter how the critical reception of it is right <laughs> did anyone look up this like any of the reviews or the scores before this At every hour the the rotten tomato score gets lower and lower <laughs> i mean i th- i think it's it's settled at 39 percent at the moment which is fascinating compared to the critic score of 71 percent which i i mean i understand because we, we as a, as a I, I keep on saying the horror community, but we have a tendency to like really bad shit and be okay with it and, you know, enjoy it for things that, you know, people who are more critical or maybe don't have a, a passion for the genre, they don't sort of view it the same as we do. We have a different appreciation. And so I'm assuming that's what it is. It's like the horror nerds are like, no, like I can, you know, look past some of these things and still enjoy this bad movie because we've enjoyed bad movies. Our whole lives. Yeah. <laughs> this movie was so like anticipated because it was supposed to come out last year, but COVID delayed it by one year. Like this year, technically, this was all supposed to be over. And so um, <laughs> I think that just that weight, that much weight that we got, because we got a trailer early on and everything. We were just waiting for this film. And I just do not think that it lived up to its hype. I think that's what kind of hurt a lot of the reviews is that anticipation. I think if yes. we only had to wait that one year, the reviews might have not been as harsh. I d- Yeah. <sighs> They'd be like, this was a great transitional piece. Can't wait to get to the end. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) There was a lot of pressure on this. I mean, I remember texting you like halfway through the year and being like, I am, there is no movie, including Scream 5, 
for like and that's saying a lot for me that was like there's no movie i'm anticipating more i probably said that because we hadn't seen any footage from scream 5 yet and so i really had no idea what to expect but we had already had the trailer for halloween kills and i was like there's literally no movie i'm anticipating at the moment more than this one and yes. then so i you know when it, it here it is it's finally here and whoa is it different than i anticipated it to be <laughs> it lives up to its name i'll give it that that's for damn <laughs> she sure. does kill she slays it for sure yeah she kills a lot and 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 a this lot it's actually the movie with the highest body count like out of the entire franchise in the entire franchise You know what else I read? Speaking of highest, um, this is actually the highest rated on Rotten Tomatoes Halloween sequel, not including 2018. If you look at the sequels, other than Halloween 2018, considering that like the first of the franchise, Mm -hmm. this is the highest rated of any Halloween sequel. Wow. That's interesting to me, especially compared to like Halloween 2, but I could also be looking at it through like a nostalgia lens. Yes. Well, I, it's it's weird because I'm always like, oh, I love Halloween too, but I always forget that that movie is actually boring, really critically panned. Oh, like <laughs> y- if you look at it, like it, it's like considered very bad, and I'm always like, wait a minute, yeah. what? I love Halloween. The wigs, too. yes, yes, her wig, <laughs> yeah, knocked off seventy five percent of the score. <laughs> <laughs> So we have to start discussing it, otherwise we're going to give away the whole entire movie right now. <laughs> Oh yeah, spoiler alert, we're spoiling this entire movie. (laughs) If you haven't seen the movie yet, turn it off, get your Peacock subscription, or (laughs) go to to the movie theater. So, for everybody listening, welcome to Halloween Kills! My grandmother was right. The boogeyman was real. If you track Michael's victims... It's a straight line to Michael's childhood home. I'm at the door! I'm not just going to sit and watch another innocent person die. Let's hunt him down. Evil dies tonight. Halloween Kills, released in 2021. Written by Scott Teams, Danny McBride, and David Gordon Green. Directed by David Gordon Green. Our movie begins immediately after the events of the 2018 film. Cameron Elam, played by Dylan Arnold, still tipsy and looking for Allison, instead finds a wounded deputy Frank Hawkins, played by Will Patton, while walking home from the high school's Halloween party. As Cameron calls for help, Hawkins explains that Michael needs to die. TONIGHT! Hawkins' determination is driven by his regret from stopping Michael Myers' execution back in 1978. In a flashback of Halloween 1978, young Hawkins, played by Thomas Mann, and the rest of Haddonfield PD are on the hunt for Michael Myers just shortly after his killing spree of the original movie. During the search, we are reunited with a young Lonnie Elam, played by Tristian Egerling, being bullied by a group of kids. Bitch, not even, not just like bullied, but like being bullied, bullied by these like drag twins. Drag. These were yeah. bullies from Rob Zombie's Halloween. Seriously, the crossover. Not only, well, speaking yeah, of crossovers, did everyone like catch a good peek of Chucky making an appearance in Halloween? Oh, <laughs> that was the that yeah, was the brother. Yeah, the brother. I was like, I was like, well, who's Chucky and these two fucking like girls, like, these twins? Why are these kids wearing prosthetics? And then <laughs> yeah. <Thank you. laughs> 
A passing cop warns them to get home as a man in a white mask just killed three teenagers. Lonnie attempts to make his way home but runs into Michael Myers. Lonnie immediately curls into a ball on the sidewalk, pleading with Michael that he's sorry he bullied Tommy Doyle earlier that day. Hawkins and Officer Pete McKay, played by Jim Cummings, find Lonnie, but Michael has disappeared. Lonnie runs off as the officers make their way to the Myers house. McCabe recounts being a kid when his mother would make him play with Michael, but all Michael ever did was stare out his sister's bedroom window. They enter the house, and when McCabe enters Judith Myers' old room, he is attacked by Michael. Hawkins holds a gun up to Michael and shoots, but the bullet strikes McCabe in his neck. Hawkins cries as McCabe passes away from his gunshot wound. In the front yard, Michael is surrounded by cops and Dr. Sam Loomis, this time played by Tom Jones Jr. The music swells into the classic score by John Carpenter. Title card, Halloween Kills. Whoo! I'm just going to jump in here really quick because I geeked out over this flashback to 1978. I fucking lived bitch i was like no way i was like not adding like deleted scenes from (laughs) the original movie i loved it and i love that they did like they recreated the mask from 1978 this wasn't no digital effects like everything was done practical and in camera including dr loomis because my boyfriend sat there and fought with me thinking they did some like cgi digital shit which in this day and age, they normally would, but I give so much respect for them doing, like, finding a, an actor who looked like Loomis, doing the makeup and the lighting and everything in camera, because in my opinion, that was Loomis. It looked just like him. Yeah, that was the Ashley to the Mary-Kate. I thought they were <laughs> twins, honey. Yes. <laughs> and they did um, film filters to make it feel more like the 1978 film. And I think that Beautiful. you can definitely tell because it looks like it's from a different movie. Like like Jake said, it definitely matches the actual flashbacks they used to the 1978 film. Right, totally. Yeah. I, I do feel though, like tonally, like this whole section to me feels a little bit like planet terror like like grindhouse like that like you could tell it's like them like recreating like an old 70s style you know or like Uh of like some um just like some how some of the camera angles or like how the camera zooms and like moves it felt kind of absolutely yeah but i don't know there's something about it especially and i know i'm kind of jumping ahead when michael attacks for the first time it comes off kind of like campy looking (laughs) <laughs> I loved the uh, the they brought like the musical cues back from 1978, like when Lonnie first yeah. runs away. They do that little and oh, then yeah. they bring back the classical theme. It was it was so well done. I that was like the best like flashback I could ask for. My oh, partner for sure. John actually thought they did CGI when they first saw it. They're like, "There's no way." It was like, "The babe, this is all like in camera." I don't know what to tell you, but this is <laughs> the, this is fantastic. I really enjoy what they did. How do you feel about it, story wise? I, I guess my biggest complaints with this movie, I just want to jump in, is the script because it is oh. a dramatic shift from 2018. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and a dramatic dip in quality. It's horrendous. Ooh. I just thought that like like for okay at least on ter- in terms of this opening moment I just thought that there were a lot of things that they focused on like Lonnie and things like that where it's like we're going to give him this backstory we're going to Frank Hawkins this backstory that I don't think we necessarily needed we I thought it could have been I, I thought it, this opening could have been so much shorter just to show at least how Michael got caught 
and that Hawkins was there. There's a lot in this movie that was written in that just made it filled time, but we didn't necessarily need it. And I think it dragged it I think it it's down. because it didn't go anywhere. If it had had right. a conclusion and a running theme to it that had transpired to a certain point, like 2018, this would have had significance. Learning about Hawkins' background and learning that he was the reason why Michael didn't do anything adds nothing to your mythos because the mythos that they're currently creating gets so convoluted and eats its own tail within one movie. I don't understand <laughs> how it does that. And uh, yeah, and like, and like even like the character of like Lonnie, they sort of like build up Lonnie. I thought that he was going to be way more significant in this movie than he was, just because this whole opening, he has a whole section of it dedicated to just him and this bullying and then coming into contact with with you know Michael Myers, like, and then jumping ahead a little bit later on when we meet him at the bar for the first time and they're going you know this person and this person this person when i got to lonnie i literally laughed i was like not lonnie i thought he was like a joke (laughs) character they're trying to retcon to give reasons why these characters deserve to be here yeah but then they don't give a reason why they deserve to continue on in the story Yes. Yeah. No, exactly. And even like the way they say it, like like how Jake, you were saying you laughed because it's so ridiculous. It's like he's Tommy's like, I was the little boy in the house that night. Lindsay was a little girl. Uh Miss Mar Miss Marion was attacked by Michael. And like and Lonnie saw him walking down the street. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Nobody yes. asked me about my scars. I saw I know. <laughs> I was I literally laughed. I was all Poof. I was like, that's so dumb. I thought he was like a dumb ju- uh, I don't know. Okay, the Frank backstory, like, okay, I get it. He was there. Like, he feels like he's at fault. Yeah. Sure. But at the same time, we didn't need him killing another officer. We didn't need the cover-up that comes later on, which I left out of the synopsis because I was like, I don't care. I do not care about Frank yeah. anymore. <laughs> I, well, I, I think they, I wonder if that was to protect this idea that they've already introduced in the first movie, that he only killed the teenagers that night. They're like, well, it wouldn't make sense that Mike also killed a police officer and nobody has mentioned it yet. But in 2018, Lori says he killed five people. Judith, the mechanic that he took the jumpsuit from that's laying in the grass. Bob, or no, not Bob. Yeah, Bob, Linda, and Annie. That's it. Yeah, that's that's, that's what I'm saying. So if they added he also killed a cop, like it wouldn't work. So they had to have Hawkins kill him. Yeah, but I don't think that's what they went for, did they? They didn't because they would because later on when they do the cover up they state that Michael did it. Oh, but you remember I, I, that Michael uh, does it. You 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 didn't shoot him. You tried. So that's where it's like it's the all this retconning to include all these characters is just poking holes in your own script. Yeah, it, it yes. makes no sense. All of a sudden, wait, it's like so. How many people did he actually kill that night? I don't know. Yeah, they they kind of screwed themselves over. I guess I forgave them a little bit for this because of how detailed they were in recreating this mm-hmm. this movie and the house and everything I yeah. thought looked great. But I was so distracted by coming back into the 1978 world that I just ignored the faulty ass writing in this part. But <laughs> but I agree, it didn't it doesn't go anywhere, but at least we finally got to see the dead dog that Michael ate. <laughs> oh my god, I know. And and you know what? You know what? About that part, I was like, do you want this is this movie? in a nutshell this movie was purely fan service but had no substance so it's like they spent all their time making sure that they had every single callback they could possibly think of in here yes Halloween 4 5 6 7 even exactly (laughs) characters things that happened but it's like what about the meat what about the story that we were telling like that's unimportant shit I mean 
I don't know. It, it's it's so misguided. Maybe that was their focus because they even. Um, I read included in this opening sequence, you know, that we love so much, the pumpkin, how simple. Um, yeah. This time there were 12 pumpkins because this is the 12th movie in the entire franchise. So I almost feel like they purposefully focused on recreating these to give the fans what they wanted because I think fans love so much the little things that they shoved in there in, the, in 2018 that they were like, let's do that again, but times a thousand. <laughs> yeah, pumpkins for fall, groundbreaking. <laughs> I actually, really, I actually really love the the pumpkin opening. I kind of, it's kind of exciting. It's almost like, what's it going to be is. next movie? <laughs> what I really liked about the opening is that the, I, I, anytime you want to change up your main theme song, I'm here for it. Especially if John Carpenter's behind it. And this one, I really like the emphasis on this orchestration that kind of felt like a chorus background Coral, that really emphasized yeah. this <laughs> like. <laughs> Everyone hitting those beautiful notes. I did. It really gave the emphasis of uh, this is now going to be a community type thing, which I yeah. knew going oh. in for. And an ensemble and, piece, you know. Which <laughs> which I knew going in for. And I appreciated that John Carpenter even just thought of, we have to include that in the music cues. So we're called the Carpenter Queens, and clearly we worship at the altar that is Carpenter. Oh, yeah. Of course. <laughs> of course. Oh, yeah. Does that make sense, listeners, why we had them on our show today? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, what do we think about this opening with uh, Cameron and Hawkins? Sure. This is also one of those moments where it's like, okay, this is what we're in for. People who get stabbed in the neck can live. Survive. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't like I didn't like the character of Cameron in in 2018. So to get more of him in this movie, I wasn't excited for. Yeah, and we spent a lot of time with him. And then in this movie, we also recount a lot of what we already knew happened in 2018. It was a lot of flashback of 2018. I was like, why are we watching? Yeah, <laughs> we were watching the movie all over again. <laughs> I honestly think they were filling time. I think they wrote yes. this probably like decent script and they were like, oh shit, it's only 45 minutes of content. What do we do? <laughs> I think they wrote story beats. I don't even think there was a fleshed yeah. out script for this. <laughs> no, it was like bullet points. Like we have to do this <laughs> moment. And they were all kills. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. I agree with Ray in Cameron's character because in this particular movie, I do not like movies that try to redeem shitty characters in the first movie, especially when it's not warranted. Uh, Cameron was a shitty boyfriend, shitty guy, should have died in mm-hmm, the first one. Mm-hmm. Even though I do like his kill. For sure. Yeah, yeah. His character, I forgot his character was even going to be in it. I was like, I, when he came up, I was like, oh, okay. So he's going to be Hello. in this now. <laughs> like, he was not somebody <laughs> I was like looking forward to seeing again. Um, I, this is also the first of like some of our like really weird, just like lines that they like threw in here. These like Bitch. battle cries and chants. This and- literally was like when Lori and um, Freddy versus Jason goes, Freddy versus Jason, place your bets. Like that, it yes. was so <laughs> corny. The dialogue was so corny. Oh my God, that's There's... the perfect way to put it. It is the dialogue from the early 2000s for sure. Yeah. Even down to the characters and the stereotype, like I, I'm just going to mention, hello, Michael McDonald playing another queer. Oh yeah. my God. Seriously. Seriously. Even like the characters and the jokes feel so early 2000s. It's so odd coming off of like a 2018, like I pretty know. strong feminist female led movie right. into this. Well, th- well, this is this is like our consequences of like trusting these like 
white stoner dudes. White yeah, straight stoner dudes. You. Yeah. Yes. Well, you know, in twenty in the twenty okay, so we recorded your episode of twenty eight Halloween twenty eighteen before Halloween Kills came out. And one of the things that we discussed were that was that we were um everyone was kind of scared when they found out who was writing it and directing because they were like, well, they're known for like white stoner boy comedies. And um, that's not what we want out of a Halloween movie. Like that was Rob Zombie's version. And then like, um, (laughs) and then we were like, but, but what we got was great, but they reared its ugly head. And this movie. Absolutely. This feels like a like a stoner frat guy took his very first theater class and his requirement was to write a script and this is what he chose. Yeah. Yeah. Should we move on? Is there anything else to say about this? No, I, I think God no. October 31st, 2018. We are brought to a local dive bar where Tommy Doyle, now played by Anthony Michael Hall, makes a speech commemorating the 40th anniversary of the 1978 murders. The story catches the interest of married couple Vanessa, played by Carmela McNeil, and Marcus, played by Michael Smallwood, who were seen briefly leaving their house in the last movie. (laughs) Oh, I didn't even clock that. Mm -hmm. Yes. Sexy nurse and hot doctor. Tommy toasts to Marion Chambers, played by Nancy Stevens. Lindsay Wallace, played by Kyle Richards. Come through. Yes, yes Kyle. Yes, Miss Housewife. Yes. Oh, this is, oh, Jay can't wait. Um, <laughs> and a grown Lonnie Elam, played by Robert Longstreet. They frequent the bar every Halloween after bonding over their confrontation with the boogeyman all those years ago. Tommy makes the final toast to Lori. Meanwhile, after their confrontation with Michael, Laurie Strode, once again, played by Jamie Lee Curtis, her daughter Karen, played by Judy Greer, and her granddaughter Allison, played by Andy Matichak, are horrified to see a group of fire engines making their way to Laurie's house, set ablaze with Michael trapped inside. Laurie screams to let it burn. They are driven to Haddonfield Memorial Hospital, where we see former Sheriff Lee Brackett, played by Charles Cyphers, working security at 90 years old. (laughs) I know! (laughs) Literally, I was like, this man is 100 years old. When is he going to retire? He didn't want to be a dork reader at Walmart, okay? (laughs) It was this or that. (laughs) As Lori is rushed into emergency surgery to patch up a stab wound in her stomach, Karen and Allison... Finally, mourn the loss of Ray. <laughs> okay, so here we go. I stand corrected on my stance from our last collaboration. Go and listen to our episode of Halloween 2018 with Carpenter Queens, um, where I was like, looks like in the trailer, they don't give a shit about Ray, but I was <laughs> very wrong. Where's because Ray? This is the majority of what Allison and Karen do this entire movie. Let's talk about she Ray. She was washing her hands and saw a wedding ring. She's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, oh, that's oh my gosh. <laughs> That she was appraising it. She's like, I wonder how much I can get for this. <laughs> She's like, we have to get out of this town. I need to afford these things. <laughs> for real, I would get the fuck out. The firefighters arrive at the Burning Strode residence, accidentally freeing Michael from the basement. Using their tools, Michael single-handedly slaughters the firefighters before making his way to Lori's neighbor's house. The cemetery caretaker. Did anybody clock this? I didn't realize no. it was her. Until you told me. Yes. Remember we talked about her. Okay. So the cemetery caretaker, Sandra, played by Miss Diva Tyler, and her partner, Phil, played by Lenny Clark, discuss Lori's home burning before they find Michael in their own home. 
Michael attacks, slamming Phil's head into the wall several times and shoving a fluorescent light bulb into Sandra's neck. As she bleeds out, she is forced to watch Michael stab every knife in the kitchen into Phil's back. Okay. What do we think about the introduction to these characters of Tommy, Lindsay, Marianne, all these old school characters? Well, I don't understand why they chopped their heads off for the first shot of them. They like film from their like mouths down. Like, who are these (laughs) mysterious people? As if the marketing didn't just, you know. Give it away. Give it away. We've seen all of their scenes at this point. Like, we know they're in the movie. Also, why are they having a talent show at this dive bar on Halloween? (laughs) I mean, is that what this is? Because what the hell is Tommy's talent if that's what he goes up there and does? Public speaking. (laughs) Because, well, what a riveting monologue he gave to these fucking people. And did nothing but make them so uncomfortable. Like, (laughs) And they still bought him a beer. Oh, yeah, and they loved it, I guess. And they loved it. Like, woo, I'm scared. Come on, trauma. Yeah, oh my god, I had no idea that was you. Once we get the explanation later that the real curse of Michael Myers is to, you know, be around and, like, promote fear, I almost feel like Tommy did that for him. Like, he was like, it fed him more energy. He was like, yes. Oh, probably. I have a lot of feelings about Tommy. I know. Besides the fact, I love Anthony Michael Hall. I really enjoy him yeah. just as an actor. So I was excited to see him come into this role. Um, yeah. But I do have to know very quickly, the woman who like sacrificed everything and apparently stopped Botox for six months to make sure that she could do this. <laughs> she's going to get a Peabody, a Tony, and an Oscar for this performance. A Pulitzer. <laughs> she's going to get a Nobel Prize. Miss Lindsay Wallace makes the premiere. Miss Kyle Richards. It's I loved her in this i didn't expect to love her as much as i did i agree she was so good she she showed up and she knew the assignment and she got an a plus from me i was actually really impressed with um nancy stevens because the last time we saw her in a halloween movie it was h2o and i felt like she looked exactly the same oh (laughs) she's doing great what is your regimen she said i'm getting botox for six months She looked great. She looked great. I agree. For me, uh, Kyle Richards was like the breakout star for me. I because I I know nothing of her since playing Lindsay Wallace in 1978. Oh, okay. I didn't realize she's a celebrity. I didn't know. I don't watch whatever the fuck she's on. I don't watch it. My boyfriend does. <laughs> you didn't watch when she appeared on The Simple Life. Oh my god, <laughs> was she on that? The one with the housewives when they were housewives. Jake, why are you you don't know what I'm talking about? In the Simple Life. They- oh my god, you would love the episode. It's when Paris is taking care of these kids in, like, the hood, and one of them gets into a pool, and she starts, like, drowning, and Paris doesn't oh. even notice. So Kyle <laughs> oh, yes. goes in, and she... Kyle goes in in her um, boots, and she fucking pulls the kid out of the pool, and she's like, oh my god, she was drowning, and she goes, and now I just ruined my Gucci boots. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's hilarious. Uh, the the makings of a queen right there. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I was definitely... She was, I'm a huge Real Housewives of Beverly Hills fan. And so she, you know, knowing she was coming back for this, and she's like my favorite housewife, just, I don't know, I love her. And so I was so stoked to know. And I was like, I was just so ready for her to come in and like surprise everybody. And she did, like, she surprised in like the best way. Cause, you know, people probably had preconceived notions because she's a Real Housewives wife of Beverly Hills that she, isn't capable me i'm people i low-key had preconceived notions <laughs> right i'm sure <laughs> but back to 
Tommy. Uh, I yeah. d- the the script when I keep, I'm going to keep talking about the script because it's, oh, yeah. it's such a problem. The, it's such a mess. With Tommy and all of these group of survivors, I understand and I actually really like what they were trying to do with this. What becomes a problem is that all of a sudden now everybody is acutely aware of Michael Myers. Everyone is vastly aware of what happened 40 years ago. When yeah. in the first movie, it was forget it, never happened. She's crazy. Well, in this one, ev- Tommy drinks to, to Lori's praises yeah. and everyone agrees with him in it. And Tommy also just... Your problematic is crap, dude. Like, <laughs> I have. To, <laughs> I understand you're, as a child, you experienced Michael Myers, but then you incited a mob, bruh. Like, you're going to. Against an innocent person. Go to jail immediately. Do he, not stop. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he de- like definitely, like, during his little monologue up there, I w- would have been, like, heckling him to be like, maybe you should go to therapy or something, bro. Like, I thought that the character itself, like, once you really watch um the movie as the movie goes on and like his character is more and more annoying um i was like i thought that he totally fell in line with the version of tommy in the 1978 one because i'm like this kid is always so annoying to me and i was like this (laughs) is definitely him as a grown-ass adult fun fact they asked they didn't ask mustafa akkad no malek Maleka Cod. Maleka Cod. Wanted wanted Paul Rudd to play Tommy Doyle in this movie. Yeah, but he turned it down to do Ghostbusters instead, which we'll see how that turns out, if <laughs> it'll be any better or worse. But I mean... Another nostalgia-fueled movie. I would have loved to see Paul Rudd in this role. Oh, me too. I don't know if it'd be great, but I just... It's no. It might have been comparable to his Halloween 6 performance. Oh my gosh, oh my ew. With the lines that were written for Tommy in this movie, it probably would have been the same performance. <laughs> there yeah, wasn't much probably. to work with. Yeah. I don't know if I could... T- I don't find Paul Rudd to be as intimidating, even though he's like, you know, a Marvel superhero or whatever. He's not really intimidating like Anthony Michael Hall is in this. He's sort of like a large, looming presence where I don't feel like I would ever be able to right. take... I would never be able to take somebody like Paul Rudd seriously if they were trying to incite me to go find a zero yes. killer. This was you better know. casting for sure. Yeah, this was. I think it was better casting overall for this overall. version. Of Tommy, for yeah. this version, I think mm-hmm. that had Paul been cast, they might have gone a different direction, just because it of who he is. <laughs> we also meet uh, the doctor and the nurse, uh, which are like really random characters. Again, we saw them in the first one, and she was I a mean, scene stealer in the first one. I think that's why they ended up elaborating yeah. these characters. They're like, ooh, that, they're like, that girl's hot when she walks out. Well, yeah, she's hot. She's, she's, her, her name in the first movie was Sexy Nurse, but I loved her, <laughs> that moment that she has where Michael's walking down the street and it's all looming and she walks out and she's like yelling something and then she looks over and she's like up and down <laughs> and then like getting in the car and she's like, I don't, I don't like the way that this man is looking at me. So I think that elaborating these characters in the background was a smart idea if they would have done mm-hmm. it better because they're yeah they're, they're nothing they're kill fodder they're the people that you know are just gonna be decimated eventually luckily they're great actors they're good real i'll enjoy their performances so luckily we had that they made the most of it um okay so then we get um the scene where uh miss jamie lee is screaming for the firefighters to not go to the house that's on fire I want like, that as a ringtone. 
I mean, (laughs) (laughs) like of all the things that she planned for, she didn't account for the fact that the fire department was going to come to the house. (laughs) Seriously, foiled her plans. They won't notice. That's what she assumed for some reason. (laughs) So did you guys know that this was actually a callback to a deleted scene from Halloween 4? That was a flashback of Halloween 2 where Dr. Loomis tells them to let him burn. In the hospital. Yeah, I, I love didn't it. know that. Yeah, there's That's so many crazy. callbacks in this one. I love it. So well, many. same I mean, thing with 2018. So it's just a movie full of fan service, right? Exactly. It is. So it's fan there's no, there's no doubt that the dudes that wrote this movie know the original and know the franchise like the back of their totally. hand. There's no doubt about that. It's just they only cared about that in this. <laughs> so. Yeah, yes. essentially. I think you're right. And essentially, that's why I think the first one was so successful, especially looking at the first one compared to this one. Uh, the first one was full fan service. They're really trying to stick to the aesthetic of the first one, really trying to make it a silent, like, sleeper kind of a hit. Well, this one feels like, let's drink some Four Locos, bro, and, like, <laughs> amp it up. Right. That's what they, and I was reading, um, you know, what, like an interview, I think either with, Danny McBride or David Gordon Green and they were like they wanted the second chapter to be a um, a symphony in the middle of the story so they like sure. already knew that it was they said they wanted it to be chaos they wanted it to be crazy and they actually didn't even um, plan on it being as violent as it was it wasn't until they were editing it or like fil- or filming it and editing it that they decided, well, do you know what? This could either be really good or this could, you know, be really bad, but we might as well just go for it. So, uh, yeah. And so when like, they were filming this firefighter scene, they had no idea what they were making. I mean, I know. I like, this is a they lot. Were getting on Gory was. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> and honestly, the firefighter scene isn't even the worst of it. Like, some of the no, kills that we not. get in this are like whoa like this is insane when when they showed the firefighter scene in the trailer i was like oh my god that's probably gonna be a really it it looks like it's too much but at the same time i'm like it it looks like it's gonna be a very intense scene then i watched the movie and i'm like it's edited in the same way it was edited in the trailer like it's just like literally boom boom, yeah we don't get anything we get silhouettes of people dying yes yeah and Great. Yeah, that happens a lot in these like crowd scenes where it's like not much more than just little like clips. Like you're not actually seeing anything happen. You're just seeing him like it almost yeah. he feels like almost like a super villain in a in a Marvel it's movie. Yeah. It's definitely the energy of like Vin Diesel doing <laughs> some sort of action scene. Yeah, it's it just feels so weird and different. Which I mean, it I guess does. is fine like uh, change is always good but also i guess it makes sense with what they're saying like the more he kills the more he transcends but does it don't know because then also my argument for 2018 dr sartain's role i was like well it makes uh michael more human because you know he has he's not superhuman he has to get around somehow well, I was wrong. Well, so. here we go. Yeah, we're we're all <laughs> wrong about a lot of things. There's a lot of setup from the first one that we are just wrong about, which is crazy. This feels very the new Star Wars trilogy, where it's kind of like we did not have an initial idea 
for all three movies. We got cleared for the first one. Yeah. And, Whoa, that did really good. Now we have to make two more, but we're going to make it up as we go. Because you mentioned it, yes. Blinky, and especially last week, you were talking about how you really liked the humanized, essentially, Michael Myers. And he's no, not the boogeyman. While in this one, he's absolutely the boogeyman, which is yeah. very confusing because this is supposed to happen all in one night. So it's it, it confuses your own mythos. And I don't know if it's as smart as they think it is. Oh, it's definitely not. <laughs> There's like a scene where he takes a pickaxe and hits one of the firefighters in the face and it looks like yeah, it's, it's very like John Wick. Like my blood like, or like like bloody valentine. My bloody valentine. <laughs> 3D. You know 3D. Yeah, 3D. <laughs> yeah, that's what it feels like. I'm like, what is this? This feels so weird. Especially since this is like our first this is our first kind of like big kill because the first yeah. one that we got was in 1978. So this is like Michael's first big, big ta-da. And I don't know if I can understand the emphasis when you stated that they wanted it to feel like an orchestra because this definitely feels like an orchestra. But I don't know if everyone's in tune with each other. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in all honesty, because like we've said that a lot of this was shown in the trailer. So it was kind of mm-hmm. like, oh, we already saw all this. But at the right. same time, it was like him on like on a roid rage almost, like <laughs> using everything, like using their own weapons against them. Yeah. Um, I thought it made for like a great intense scene and kind of like a great what like mid movie scene almost. It, <laughs> but it was also sort of like very uncharacteristic for Michael though. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's what pulls it out. I thought what's really weird and this sort of is a theme that happens throughout this is that everybody's so ready to kill this man immediately like the second yeah. he walked out of that house they were like ready with their weapons and it's like they especially know what the, the guy hell. with the hose he's like spritz spritz yeah it's the, 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 the hose the the saw that turns on i'm like why are these people just assume that this man is gonna murder all of them it's just like weird things like that like well I also i feel like everything that we said about this scene so far has kind of been mixed like some of us thought it was intense some of us thought it was too fast some of us thought it was you know a tone deaf and i think that all together that is this movie like like even yeah. like you said that the, they went for an orchestra thing but like you said it's um uh, like if not everyone's in tune with each other it's the every scene by scene everything's a different tone this one's like superhero and then the next one is comedy and then the next one is horror and then the next one yes. is cheap yes. slasher and everything just has a different tone it's like almost like you take a scene you take a scene you take a scene and, I'll write <laughs> yeah. it out, and then we'll put it together in a movie yeah so we just have this superhero ass moment and then we move on to this horrific kill of Ugh. sandra and phil this left me depressed i was depressed after i was like i hate this scene <laughs> <laughs> well i mean they were just minding their business playing with a drone in their house and then this is me this yeah. is me. I very much felt like me and Andre are um, Mr. Phil and Miss Sandra. And I was like, this is a horrible way <laughs> to like think of, like, this is us. And then they're like, oh, oh my oh God. My God. <laughs> Getting brutally murdered in their own home. Yeah, like they get fucked up real bad. To me, this was the, the movie that, I mean, this was the scene that I felt tonally matched this universe of 20 yes mm-hmm. of course this is this is the tone that i was like oh, okay this is what i came here for expecting. i guess expecting yes. we've had three other tones before before this moment <laughs> but um <laughs> yeah. here we are at this one so we have this intense intense kill where uh you know phil gets stabbed like 
a bunch of times in the back and Sandra gets a light in her neck and one thing for some reason they decided with this movie was that they're not gonna we're not gonna play into this like Hollywood myth that you get stabbed once and then you're dead (laughs) they said we're gonna make these people suffer until their very last breath and we're going to show all of it and you're like watching them just like gurgle on their blood and like struggle to breathe and it goes on for a long time. <laughs> a long time. It was disturbing. It was disturbing. I think that's what really works. I think if they had kept that tone and yeah. Ray had mentioned it, it, that first kill fell out of character for Mikey. All of a sudden, he's an action hero and it's his big scene. Yeah. This one is far more in tone with Michael, especially from 1978, except that you just turn up the intensity. That's yeah. what we all kind of mentioned from 2018, that that's what was great about it. It was It's exactly what we left from Halloween, except that they added more thought to it because yeah. the, I cannot I cannot take away the deaths from this movie as much as I have notes for this oh. movie these deaths are freaking amazing no for sure they're they're <laughs> very good and they're very violent which is exactly what we come to these movies for the kills are the best part of this movie. It was also still very entertaining this scene because even though you know it's very horrific and we're watching this elderly couple get murdered in their home which is, I thought I really was disturbed by this so this definitely did a good job but I one of my favorite lines comedically also came from this scene where when he finds Michael in the bathroom and he goes He's like, Sandra, there's a big fella in our bathroom. He's wearing a monster mask. <laughs> I love that line. <laughs> it was so oh, good. Oh, I know. And then they don't, they don't make it much further. But, um, oh. <laughs> right. But they were sweet while they were they were on screen. Oh, I know. I, I adored them. I adored her in the first. We talked about her in in your episode of Halloween 2018. Because she's great. And then she yeah, I thought dead. she was great. Ms. Diva Tyler, she was, and do you think she is the same character as the caretaker, or is she different? Because there's a name in this one. Yeah, because I mean, they gave Vanessa and Marcus names, and before they were hot doctor and sexy nurse, the same people. <laughs> it's definitely yeah. them. They're like, I know. Let's take all the extras from 2018, give them names, and kill them off. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! One thing I have to mention in the section that's not in the synopsis is that horrific <laughs> uh, surgery scene, which I thought was oh. hilarious. Because everybody in my theater, I could hear them groaning during this scene. I was like, did you not see what we just saw? Like these other <laughs> people being like horrifically murdered. But the surgery scene where her stomach well, was open. Yes. like It's like the exorcist. Like we're watching a little girl masturbate with a crucifix. Yeah. But the most disturbing scene was when she's getting a medical test done. Yeah. We're like, <laughs> oh, God. Those medical procedures can be killer. Yeah. Because it's so real. You're like, I'm never going to get murdered. But I'm definitely going to go to the doctor one day. So <laughs> <laughs> it's too real. Moving on. Yeah, let's move on. Nick, do you want to take this one away? Ooh, I'd be delighted. Uh, Back at the bar, Lonnie gets a call from Cameron asking to be picked up. Lonnie's alarmed when Cameron tells him he found and attacked Hawkins. As Lonnie rushes off, an emergency alert and news broadcast inform Tommy, Marion, and Lindsay, Vanessa, and Marcus of the Smith's Grove escaped patients, two of which are still on the loose and a possibly connected string of murders. Julian, Jabril Nantambu, appears on the news speaking of Vicky's murders. Hello, welcome. I missed you. So happy to have you back. I had to say hi. (laughs) Briefly. (laughs) Seriously, not enough. The news anchor draws a comparison to the murders of Annie, Linda, and Bob 40 years prior. Tommy and Lindsay are triggered, knowing the killer is Michael. 
Vanessa and Marcus, Julian's neighbors, grow very concerned and decide to head home. Vanessa gets to the car and hears something in the back seat. She screams in terror, running into the bar, saying one of the escaped patients is in her back seat. Tommy, armed with a baseball bat and a few other patrons, confront the intruder, but he drives the car away and crashes. The driver leaves unnoticed by the crowd, but it is not Michael. It is the other escaped patient, Tivoli? Actually, didn't even know his name. Oh, I learned something new today. Lan- his name is Lance Tivoli. Played by Ross Ross Bacon. Oh, RIP. Did he pass between He reporting? passed away. Like the other day. Oh my God. Oh my I was God. Making, I was making sure this was the right character and right actor to put in this synopsis. And I looked him up and it's all, he died of lung cancer like a few days ago. Oh or like a week ago. That's so Rest sad. in peace, Ross R. Bacon. R.I.P. Ross Bacon. Tommy decides they should get a mob together to hunt Michael down. Sorry, that sentence is so interesting to say. Uh, um, evil dies tonight. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like how they say that this mantra has a backstory when, you know, right before he walks out, he puts that dollar bill in the in that little thing they have donation. up at the bar. The donation box that says love yeah. lives today. And Marion watches him put the dollar in. She goes, evil dies tonight. Like... <laughs> We then meet eccentric gay couple Big John, Scott MacArthur, and Little John, Michael McDonald, the current homeowners of the renovated Myers home. A young girl frantically knocks at their front door, asking for help as she says her friend ate a candy bar with a razor blade in it. The friend lies on the sidewalk, and when the Johns run to see what is going on, a third friend steals their entire bowl of candy. It was all an elaborate prank to steal their candy bowl. The Johns cut the kids' celebration short as they creepily inform them their house belonged to serial killer Michael Myers. And the house is haunted by his sister, whom he has stabbed in the tits. The kids run off in fright. <laughs> yes. All right. So this see this section starts off with them in the bar, right? And you know yeah. we have this really weird, you know, uh, altercation. Not even altercation, but just moment that happened between you know uh, Ms. Vanessa and Marcus, and then Lindsay uh, and the old crew, right? <laughs> that standoff they have. Yeah, the little standoff they have. And then the very next scene, they're all, oh, now we're all good friends. It's like, what is this? What are we doing here? This and is then- cheap storytelling. Everything yes. in the bar is cheap storytelling. <sighs> yes, it is. From Michael's thing to like to them fighting with them. Like, can you be quiet? We're trying to watch the show. And it's like, the show is terrible. And then like the <laughs> yeah. the bar the bartender explains, hey, leave them alone. They come in here every Halloween. You know, it was them that were with... Lori yeah. Strode when she was attacked all those years ago. I'm like, what the fuck? Is this Disney <laughs> Channel? This shit boy writing a script. But then after all, even after that exposition, then the rest <laughs> of the scene from then on is just meandering talking. Like literally like they did not have a script for this scene. No, it's just this is like, purely improvising. You're like, let's just leave that <laughs> yes. in there to fill up more space. <laughs> yeah. We could do this. We could yeah, do improv. Just act natural. Do what you would do. <laughs> They're like, Lindsay, ask ask the bartender how the bar got opened. Yeah, yeah, ooh, yeah good idea, good idea. Ooh, oh, I made something up, I made something up. Okay, here we go. <laughs> no, 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 press, no, press record, I got it, I got it, I totally got it. It's, it's a- Miss, Kyle, Miss Kyle, she's all, oh my God. Like, she's like, <laughs> yeah, she's like, wow, your dad, really? Yes, yes. <laughs> and And, and um, then you see Miss Marion back there, she has the doctor's stethoscope, the, yes. the doctor costume. She's like, woo, I was a nurse. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Julian, uh, what what is their fascination with making the lead characters in 2018 that survived 
extras and the extras yeah. the leads <laughs> what's going I wonder, on yeah it's so weird but i feel like their idea is that obviously michael's influence is more than just Lori. like it affected other people in the town as well and i li- and i do like that like halloween isn't just Lori's story like I do like the idea that it's everybody who was involved that's they nice make that story. explicitly clear in this one especially oh. when they tell her it's not about you it's not yes. about you Lori it's not about you Lori <laughs> yes. for once Jesus so Lori are you serious everyone's neurotic he killed three people that <laughs> night Lori yeah <laughs> he weren't the only one with trauma yeah exactly so yeah that's definitely the angle they're going here but yeah all of a sudden these like supporting characters because you i mean i guess it makes sense i don't even know if i call them supporting characters to be quite honest (laughs) yeah they were they are just they are there (laughs) with lines we are referencing them so the this is where i understand that things are ramping up we've got we've got a lot to do michael's free i just don't believe the inciting of like a full mob that quickly yes oh my god Especially when in 2018, everyone made it seem like nobody remembered what happened 40 years ago. Like it was a fairy tale. But now everyone is so instinctively involved with that murder. This town is suffering from all of this trauma all of a sudden. Yeah, it doesn't make it does. It, it it's it's a what yeah. is it? It's a different movie. <laughs> it's just a different movie. It's a different movie. <laughs> We totally forgot to mention, and a big contention with a lot of people, like in the horror community, when well, we meet our security guard way back when at the hospital, and we get we get shots of is it Annie on the slab? Oh as well yeah, as Officer Bracket. Yeah, pulled from Halloween too. Yes, and people are upset that like you can't you can't decanonize Halloween too and then use its cl- a material yeah, yeah. Clips. Well, and it, it's, wrong it's when you? he I think is actually talking to introducing Lindsay and like her babysitter died that night and they show mm-hmm. her like boom boom and then they show her in the stretcher and I'm like wait a minute that did not happen in Halloween night. <laughs> they're like nobody will notice I know you had the budget what happened yeah, I know, film new scenes and I guess actually in Halloween 2018, Tom Jones Jr., who plays Donald, or who plays Donald Pleasance, um, who plays Dr. Sam Loomis <laughs> in this version, was actually, ca- well, he's a part of the crew, but he was actually supposed to be Dr. Sam Loomis in the last one because they were going to have Michael kill Dr. Loomis and Laurie actually shoots Michael to the point where police are able to get him and take him away. But then... I'm like, that was a better idea. That yeah, was a that way better way idea exciting. than the fuck this. But I think I know why. It's be- to take away from Lori's storyline. To make it, yeah, like I- how we're saying, everyone's involved. Every This mm-hmm. is everyone's story is Michael. I feel like that's what their goal was. Because they really do take a lot away from Lori in this movie. They were giving some to Tommy, to Marion, to Lindsay. Everyone, everyone's scared of Michael Myers. I saw, I saw him walking down the street. To uh, me too. <laughs> he's ruined, he's ruined my, my life. He's haunted my family for, for generations. <laughs> Somebody told me he was walking down the street, and I've never <laughs> been able to sleep a wink since. <laughs> <laughs> that cop told me to go home because Michael Myers on the loose, and ever since then, I've never been the same. <laughs> But yeah, you were you you hit the nail on the head, like Nick, like about these people are so alarmist too. Like so, um, yeah. Miss Vanessa goes outside and she sees somebody in the back seat of her car, and she <laughs> immediately go- runs in and was like, "It's Michael Myers," and they're like, "All right, everybody, get your shit, get Let's your weapons. Go. We're gonna murder." Like, they grab an iron and or 
a bucket. Yeah, a cup, like grab whatever. Grab your kids. Grab your yeah. Hide your kids. Hide your wife. It's like <laughs> it was. It, it was so fast, and you're like, whoa, these people are. These people need help. Like they are also crazy. Not also not Tommy messing up someone else's car. I understand oh, that I there's know. a murder, <laughs> but like, don't hit my <laughs> car, bitch. Yeah, he started smashing up their car before, like, just to get him out of the car. I've been like, what the fuck, bro? You're going to pay for my car, right? That you just <laughs> took a bat to? Whatever yeah. whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Evil dies tonight. Evil dies tonight. <laughs> so then we meet some of the shining stars of this movie. Um, <laughs> Scott MacArthur and Michael McDonald as Big John and Little John. This is oh a total God. straight white boy thing to write yes. into your script two gay characters and name them Little John and Big John. They're like, that's so funny. And we're going to cast <laughs> two straight white guys. We're going to have them. them renovate out an, an old antique house. They're going to love it. Oh my God. I'm okay. American horror story. Very American horror story. Yeah. It's not like a, it's not, not that it's an unflattering portrait. I did find it kind of identify with um big john i guess at one point when he was like he's like i pulled out some old spooky records you want to get high and dance and i was like <laughs> okay i was like i was like okay i relate but then the rest of it was silly i identified with little john when he's when they're going upstairs and he passes by the mirror and he goes <gasps> <laughs> why do you look so scary yeah. Yeah. it was a charcuterie board night for me yeah <laughs> So there were, yes. you know, somebody's gay friend whispered in their ear, but... Yeah. I love that, you know, they renovated the Myers house and that somebody lives there now. Like, that it totally would happen. Like, that makes sense yeah. in today's world. Like, they wouldn't just let it sit there <laughs> and it wouldn't just be a vacant lot. They would have built something there, whether it was a fucking, like, espresso bar or they kept it as a oh, house. For sure. It would have been something. Yeah, I'd be a, a Starbucks, Starbucks now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do feel like... Um, I don't know how I feel. I love like I love these actors both like individually, but I feel like casting them in this. Like I love Michael McDonald. I feel like they're too funny for this movie. It the tone. It's the tone we keep talking about. The tone shifts again. Completely shifts because I cannot look at Michael McDonald and think of anything but Stewart or mm-hmm. some or all the comedic roles he's done. Yeah. He is the only person in Hollywood history that's been killed by Michael Myers and Mike Myers. And Mike Myers. As Austin yes. pa- and Austin Powers. Oh my God. I get it, like giving people chances outside of their known genre. These are but probably I mean, their friends. They were like, you want to be in this movie? I'm going to write a pardon for oh, you. Probably. <laughs> I don't feel like they're bad in it, but I think no. just his presence alone in it takes me out of it. They're not yeah. they're not bad in it. I enjoy their performances, but the characters are written for a different movie. Yes. Mm-hmm. It, I agree. It is so bizarre. They're written for scary movies. Yeah. Yeah, a parody. <laughs> it's a parody. I also I didn't get the kids. I like the kids. I really enjoyed the shitty little kids. It's very trick or treat. But I was like, what <laughs> kids are trying to pull this stunt right now? It's 2018. This is elaborate. <laughs> But even the story that they tell, they're like, excuse me, we were just trick-or-treating here and you give us a candy bar and there was a razor blade in it and now my friend is dead. And like, <laughs> they I'm go, like, I'm like, not this story. And then they're like, I got yeah, the candy. Yeah, and then they believe it. 
I do like the turnaround though when the Johns gang up on the kids and the kids are I didn't like that the kids were like scared and backing up because I'm like these kids are jaded they're not gonna react like this yeah these are Zillennials they've seen worse shit than this <laughs> right they, yeah they've they've heard worse they don't give a shit about this they're the killers yeah <laughs> <laughs> let's keep going and keep the laughs rolling <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> So, so, back, back at, at the, the hospital, hospital, Karen and Allison are informed of Michael's escape, and Karen frantically informs the hospital staff that they need police and security because she believes if Michael is still alive, he will be coming to the hospital to find Lori. Cameron arrives at the hospital, reconciling with Allison, inviting her to join him and his father to hunt down Michael, to which Allison agrees to avenge her father, but Karen forbids her to leave the hospital. Allison sneaks out anyway. Tommy goes around town gathering Haddonfield citizens to join the war against Michael. Lindsay, Marion, Marcus, and Vanessa search the streets in Lindsay's car. She pulls over when they notice three of the badass kids from earlier playing in the park. Lindsay approaches them, telling them they need to go home. The kids don't take her seriously until Michael emerges from the shadows holding the third kid's bloodied mask. The kids run off in terror. Lindsay uses the kid's candy bag, loading bricks into it. Michael attacks the car, climbing onto the roof, smashing a window, and pulling Marion by her hair. Vanessa escapes the car. Marion points a gun at Michael and exclaims, This is for Dr. Loomis! The gun doesn't shoot much to Marion's surprise. Michael stabs her to death. From the back seat, Marcus attempts to choke Michael with his costume's stethoscope. Michael shoves his knife through Marcus's eye into his skull. Vanessa reappears, viciously shooting at Michael until he kicks open the door, which hits her gun, causing her to shoot herself in the head. Lindsay attacks Michael, hitting him with a bag of bricks. He attempts to choke her, but she gets away. She successfully hides from Michael in the swamp, and he leaves the scene. Not the swamp. <laughs> the swamp, girl. They're like... So, uh, the, so we have more, like, meandering Karen Allison moments yeah their moments aren't even crucial in the movie and honestly they even tell us that they're like Lori, this has nothing to do with you and or your granddaughter or your fucking daughter no one gives a shit about you anymore your old news hag <laughs> by the way at this hospital um they just l- have a room with a window that will show you all the dead bodies you could ever want to see. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> yes. I was like, wow. You can look at their toe tags, see who it is and how they died. It's just a conveyor belt of dead bodies going by. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just crazy. You're like seeing people you went to high school with. You're like, I guess evil did die tonight, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought it was very clever how they explained Sartain, like having Allison do it in like a you know, interview with the police. I thought that was kind of clever to like clear that up, especially if I bet like they thought that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they explain it twice because I think Hawkins explains it later too. He's like, it was Doctor Sartain that brought him to Lori. He doesn't give a shit about Lori. They're not brothers, sister. They're none of that. They're neighbors. And then we, then we get that really great scene of uh, Karen finding out that Michael isn't dead. But it's not her reaction that's the good one. It's fucking Allison's, which is ridiculous. <laughs> which she goes, what? <laughs> She's so- I literally, I think I might have been the only person in my theater that laughed out loud at oh that part. Oh my god, like, <laughs> what kind of editing and, like, well, choice was that? Allison altogether feels like a different character. 
Like, I get that she's yeah. changed because, you know, of the what's happened to her in the past couple of hours. She's the only one that has any remorse or, like, feelings about her dad's death. Because Karen's totally moved on. She's looking at the other doctors in the hospital. She's ready to move on with her life. And Allison, it it feels... Does it feel super forced? Her At one point later on, Lonnie's talking about his relationship with Ray. And Allison does, like, this weird, like... She tries to do like the Oscar winning, like scrunch your face thing, like like the Florence Pugh. Yeah. <laughs> well, honestly, I, I thought her acting was in and out in this as Allison. Mm-hmm. I was like, she's kind of like, I'm reeled in. And then she does something and I'm like, wait, what? Like, I don't know. Her choices were kind of mixed, but I also think it's just because of the way the character was written. Like, it's just a mixed bag of tricks. Like, you're like, whatever. Right, exactly. And it's not, it's not just her though everybody in this hospital scene comes off as really bad but honestly it's the script that's really bad like this it's so soapy like all of this stuff yeah. that like they're it's very talking lifetime original movie <laughs> yeah it is and especially like when like Lori wakes up and she's like we got him we got it like and it just like <laughs> yeah there's just a lot of really silly things that happen like in these hospital scenes and so it takes me out of it because again this is a whole nother tone shift now we're on to full-on lifetime original movie <laughs> during these scenes yeah well also karen's sweater like we talked about it before it's the christmas sweater but this time i feel like it has even more more <laughs> more glitter more jujus there are like there it's got pom there's pom there's, there's little pom poms on it like dangling and i'm like that bitch did not have those on before <laughs> so then we have this full-on Tommy Doyle mob mob you know he incites this mob and it feels a little uh Halloween 4 very Halloween 4 I was gonna say more like things I see on the news today (laughs) (laughs) very much so I'm glad that you brought that up because they try to they I can I see you guys wanting to really do a different subject matter and talk about mob mentality especially later on which I think is some of the most frightful stuff Mob mentality freaks me the hell out. So mm-hmm. them playing with it works well, but there's no satisfying conclusion to the mob mentality. There's yeah. no repercussions from the mob mentality. Right. There, it doesn't say anything about mob mentality. It doesn't say anything about mob mentality, except for the fact that like, isn't this cool? Look, the whole town's going to go fight. The evil dies tonight. It dies. Yeah. And that's my issue with this whole thing is these lines. I wrote them down as they were saying them. Michael has haunted this town for 40 years. We need to hunt him down. He needs to die. Evil dies tonight. (laughs) Each of those are repeated about six times. I'm like, enough. Ridiculous. Just like variations (laughs) of the same thing said over and over and over again. And honestly, Miss Marion, poor Miss Marion, she got a big ass chunk of hair pulled out of her head. Oh my God. I know. I know. But I I will say though, this sequence is my favorite sequence in okay. the movie. Just from the uh, Kyle Richards, the, be honest. Yeah, the Kyle. Well, even before that, I honestly really like the attack in the car. I think it that's is. also a really it is. fun. It was really fun good. scene. Because it, but again, it play it plays into the campy stuff. It feels a little campy, but it is I like. But campy. it worked. Yeah, and they recreated some really awesome moments from 1978 yeah. when Marion is attacked. Um, even the Halloween mm-hmm. 2, like, choking him with the stethoscope. The knife through the eye, I thought, was, again, one of the more vicious Ooh. moments in this. Ooh, um, mm-hmm. so 
Oh, so brutal. The only thing I didn't like was that Vanessa comes out like a badass, like just shooting at <laughs> Michael with one hand, like boo, boo, boo. And then he fucking kicks mm-hmm. the door and she shoots herself in the face. That was like some born identity type shit. That was where like the action came back into play right here. Like what kind of a... That's another very uncharacteristic kill for Michael. Yeah. Yeah. Even he was surprised. <laughs> he was like, ooh, he was He's like, ooh. He's like, ooh. That was good. <laughs> yeah, like, that was drama. shockingly easy. <laughs> yeah. And so, but yeah, we do get our first kill of one of our returners, like our, these big names that they they brought back to the franchise. And Ms. Marion, she gets it. She gets stabbed. Hi, Nurse Marion. Fuck. Yeah. When, when he pulls her fucking Thanks hair out playing. and she starts in, inching forward, her fucking hair is all fucked up. I'm like, damn, he really <laughs> fucked her up. Yeah. He <laughs> scalped her. <laughs> I remember he had you. To. She's a legacy character. She had to go with the bang. Well, yeah. she is the she first character in the entire Halloween franchise to return and get killed by Michael twice. Yes, that's true. Oh yeah, we love to see it. Wow, yeah. good for her. I I was like, am I Legends. tripping? But then I saw it on IMDb trivia, so I'm like, oh no, I'm right. She gets killed. She's the only person <laughs> who gets killed twice. So far. I will say, though, when that incident happened, at least in my audience, that was the most genuine reaction from the whole movie. Everyone, oh my god, no, not the nurse. It was like, I'm <laughs> glad. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad that she got some good fan reaction out of it, good, at least. Yeah, oh, she's yeah. important. She's important to the franchise. As is Miss Lindsay. She is one of the few people to conf- to get handled by Michael and survive. Yes, that is crazy. Well, uh, one of the things I... One of the things I read, which I thought was really cool, was David Gordon Green kind of talking about the character of Lindsay. He said that in, um, you know, you look back at 1978, she's one of the kids that's like being protected by Lori. And he said he really liked showing the maturity she has now as an adult being the protector of these kids, um, you know, who she's trying to like save them. And, uh, you know, he sort of equated it to her sort of taking on that protector role. And I was like, oh, that's kind of a nice way to look at Lindsay. Like full circle. Yeah. Full circle moment. I love that. And then that bitch comes out a swing in with some bricks and she just, you learned some things from Real Housewives. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but I love that they gave her a little more meat than they needed to. You know, I thought they were going to give her more meat, at, at least from the trailer's depiction. You see everything in the trailer that Kyle essentially, or sorry, Lindsay is a part of, essentially. And I really thought she was going to do more. I will say the swamp scene, when she really gets up in there, it was a genuinely tense scene. So when the scene cuts immediately, I jumped because I wasn't expecting it. And they held me on for such a good time. I just wanted more of Lindsay. I really hope we get more of Lindsay in Halloween. I think we will. One of the things I also read is that David Gordon Green said, I don't think we've seen the last of Lindsay in the Halloween universe. And they've currently only just finished the Halloween end script. So I think we'll probably see her. Apparently she was the one that really wanted to be in it. I guess she cornered Danny McBride at a red carpet and like, he said that she like kind of bullied him into <laughs> writing her into the movie. And then he Very said as brand. he was writing it, he realized that her character had so much potential and that um, so he ended up writing more for her than he actually intended. And then when Kyle got the script, she uh, she assumed it was a cameo. And then she like read like her the last page and she was like, oh my gosh, wait a minute. Like, no, I'm I don't die first. I I 
I actually have a part in this and actually made her really excited to be part of the project because she wasn't just a cameo. What's the thing? Oh yeah, she even has a moment later. She gets this monologue about she's like Tommy. Remember that night that like remember we used to dare each other to go into the Myers house? Yeah. Also, I think that scene is also really horribly inserted into this movie because you know they they rescue. Yes. We haven't gotten there yet, but we they rescue her in the swamp, and then she's like freaking out. She's crying. She's traumatized. And then in between them getting to the hospital, yeah, they have this scene where she's where they're like all lounging around and she's like telling this like lighthearted story. And then when they get to the hospital, she looks like she's on the verge of death as they're like carrying her in. She's exactly. Like, no, like, but wait, even, what happened? Even that was the number one thing. Oh, they were reminiscing. Even yeah. that writing, like she's like, remember when we used to dare each other to go into the Myers house? <laughs> that was crazy. And then she goes, but, Lon- <laughs> yeah. but Lonnie was the only one brave enough to do it. And he's like, I didn't. And then it cuts to the next scene. And I'm like, I, what the fuck? What I don't understand is that she was hiding, right? And then the next time that we get to see her, I, 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 I guess let's move on because, like, I yeah. want to talk about like when we find her because I'm so confused. Yeah, okay. let's let's get let's move on. Karen finds, finds a note, a note from, from Allison, Allison on Lori's hospital bed, cluing her in that she has run off to find Michael. Lori wakes, rejoicing that Michael is finally dead. We did it. We killed him. <laughs> She's like, calm down. You just had a fucking knife in your stomach. <laughs> it was a paper cut. It was a paper cut, really. Karen decides not to tell Lori that Michael is still alive so that she can recover. Tommy, Lonnie, Cameron, and Allison find Lindsay's car at the park. They discover Vanessa, Marcus, and Marion's bodies, their faces now covered with the Halloween three masks Michael took from the trick-or-treaters. Tommy finds an injured Lindsay who cries that Michael is still out there. Hawkins is placed in Lori's recovery room, and when he wakes, the two reminisce about a time they kissed. Hawkins says he wished for more than a kiss, but knew Lori had a crush on Ben Tramer. Meanwhile, the hospital is erupting in chaos as Haddonfielders are concerned that some of their loved ones may have fallen victim to Michael. Sheriff Barker, played by Omar Darcy, speaks with the officers as they begin to realize they can't handle this magnitude of a crime. Tommy shows up with Lindsay and she is rushed to see a doctor. Karen confronts Tommy, asking where Allison is and shares her belief that Michael is headed toward the hospital. Tommy makes an announcement to the entire crowd that the boogeyman is at large, and this chaos won't end until Michael is dead. He pumps up the crowd by exclaiming, EVIL DIES TONIGHT! For like the 20th time of this movie. Uh, Tommy then rushes to Laurie's room and reveals to her that Michael is alive and promises to kill him. Laurie rushes out of bed to fight, but Karen will not allow her to leave. Tavoli has made his way to the hospital where the angry mob waits. He is spotted and the crowd erupts into madness thinking he is Michael. Karen and Laurie spot him and realize that it is not him. However, Tommy is still shouting, evil dies tonight and leads a chase to find him. Yikes. Um, This is ugly. This this scene is just, this whole section is just not the best part of the movie. Yeah, franchise dies tonight. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> have you guys seen that illustration of the of how the characters from Halloween 5, 6, Resurrection, and Rob Zombies H2? And they're watching the movie and they're like, mm-hmm. this is the worst. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, they wish. This movie's not as bad as some of those. Th- that, this is still ranking above all of those movies. Oh, oh, absolutely. That says a lot, y'all. This performance of Jamie Lee, I love her, but... It, I don't know if it's the writing or what, but something looks 
Like she's back in Scream Queens. Yeah, yes. She's yeah. like, it's just like, the, even the line that like Ray, you keep saying the paper cut line. It's like, sweetie, yeah. like, <laughs> you and, and like Karen's line is actually funny. She's like, Jesus, mom, you were just stabbed in the fucking stomach. Yeah. <laughs> so they just leave your bloody shirt on the chair. Yeah, <laughs> I love I love some of Karen's moments in this. This was the number one scene that the entire audience that I had watched it with hysterically laughed oh. when she said, "This makes the pain go away," and oh. then stabs oh, herself yeah, with yeah. the syringe. Oh my god! In the yeah. butt. In the butt. I rolled my eyes. It was a big eye roll. It reminded me of um, Broad City, that episode when they're at dinner, and Abby stabs herself with the... Oh, yes! <laughs> with the, the, with the, the EpiPen. Abby pen. <laughs> I just stabbed myself! <laughs> I just... Yes. Oh, my God. It was so... Yeah, it was like comedy. Because it shifts back to that soap opera tone. Yeah. So when, like, Jamie Lee is trying to give something to this soap opera lines it's just it's it's lost a lot of that lifetime tone has a lot to do with i think the lines that they wrote for these characters and like how many Mm -hmm. times are we gonna say that i'm traumatized and that michael's haunted me and that he's he's after me it needs to die we i'm like this is so redundant like so repetitive even from 2018 to this now it's like every other scene it's a different character essentially saying the same thing. It's like, I've had enough of this. I've had enough. <laughs> right. Absolutely. But you know what? Style over substance. <laughs> yeah. Every time. Every but time. you know what? I was like, this, okay, this is the one that I had the most bad reaction to is when Hawkins and Lori are speaking to each other. Oh all my weak God. and old from their wounds. And um, <laughs> they reminisce, like, remember that one night that, like, we kissed? He's like, yeah, I wanted more than a kiss, but I knew you had the hots for Ben Tramer. I'm like, I don't give a fuck about these two people yeah. talking about this. <laughs> if, Honestly, if he's not Karen's dad, I don't want to hear it. I, enough. I would have preferred that. I would have preferred if Hawkins was like, yeah, when we made Karen, I don't know what straight guy say. I so, thought this like, they're going to. <laughs> yeah, that would have been it good. It would have been a far more interesting choice. Even like the reactions that they have to each other in the first movie. I'm like, is this one of her failed marriages? I've always wondered that. Come to find out, mm-hmm. all they did was kiss one night. Meanwhile, the crowd is going crazy outside. I know these poor parents of uh, uh, Oliver's parents from 2018 or his mom shows up and she's frantic. And like we said, Miss Lindsay and all the crew show up and they just wheel her away and we, for her never to be heard of again. What happened within the time period of her going into the swamp and then them picking her up? Because all of a sudden it looks like Michael fucked her up. Yeah. And she needs to be wheeled in. I, I, she was being wheeled off like she was on life support. Yeah, she wasn't even really that bad. She was fine. But then like somebody like <laughs> Lori can just see escape from her room after a major surgery <laughs> but miss kyle she got to go to the emergency room for like a for a broken i don't know broken nose i have a serious i have a serious question about another character oh god is tommy drunk oh i mean they start off at the bar bonnie also seems drunk and the way tommy this scene i didn't like but I was like, maybe it would make sense if he were drunk. As when um, he runs into Lori's room, he's like, Lori, 
Michael's still alive. Oh, I know. And we're going to go get him. And you know what? You know why I'm going to do that? Because you protected me when I was young 40 years ago. And you know what? Tonight, I'm going to protect you. That's what I'm going to do. I was like, this reminds me of like a drunk uncle being like, I fucking love you. You know I'll always be there for you. I I love you. But not the sheriff just standing there while he incites a mob. Like, not Tommy literally using the words, we're going to execute Michael. And the sheriff's just like, He's like, what can I do? There's you kids, lots of them. These small towners, you can't keep control of them. <laughs> I know. He can't even hush down this 90-year-old man. He killed my daughter a hundred years ago. Yeah, like, what the fuck? He's <laughs> <laughs> talking about bracket. <laughs> yes. He looked so old. This and this is where it gets the most sloppy, the writing. This is when it's it gets just, like, just so chaos. Oh, it's so scenes. bad. Like Lori Lori so at this point now, Lori. <laughs> knows that Michael's still alive and she freaks out. This is when she stabs herself in the ass with the thing because she freaks the fuck out. And she, like, her performance here turned... I don't know why, but she started reminding reminding me of, like, Margaret White from Carrie. She was, like, so over the top, but her performance was so... It feels so nuts to me. These are godless times, Karen! (laughs) Yes, that's that's what it felt like. I was like... It felt so weird. I was like, this is getting so out of hand. And then the mob mentality of it all gets involved. And then it's real ugly, you know? And I get, I get that this is what they were trying to portray. They're trying to portray this idea that, you know, Michael has turned them all into monsters as bracket eloquently says later on in the film. (laughs) Like that was obviously their point that, you know, he's affected the entire town, but I don't know. There seems like there's not enough commentary on this. And I feel like there could have been better commentary. There could have been yeah, like responsible. You're right. Exactly. And you know what? The first movie, 2018 had a lot to say about generational trauma, right? You know, we have three generations of women who've been traumatized from this one event that happened, you know, but then at the end of it, they come together and they overcome, right? Even though we still have this chapter, But this one, I don't feel like the same thing. I feel like they're like, okay, well, now this one's going to be about community trauma. And this is how it's affected the community. But there's, to me, it never gets to the point where you see the community being able to rise up against it. And like, you know, in the same way that we saw in 2018, it feels very incomplete. Like we don't see what, what this means. We just see them obviously go the dark way where obviously an innocent man like loses his life but i don't see like the part where they 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 take hold of that trauma and they use it to um you know defeat the monster it never happened so it was like what is this i think you would have felt probably different especially with this mob mentality and this the community trying to defeat this monster if it had been effectively set up in 2018 into this one yeah. because it's just the the writing is so messy it it's it completely ignores what you set up in your first one and when you're coming into your second one and expecting an emotional attachment and wanting and having your audience understand why they're reacting the way that they are it's why we get these soap opera reactions because they're just exuberant reactions with no reason it's yeah. just a reaction with no, with no reason, no conclusion, because this gets, I'm, I'm gonna use the word irresponsible, especially moving on with the story, because what they decide to play with is 
it's it's dangerous stuff you guys are playing with when you guys are talking about suicide, especially when it comes to mental health. When you treated it very, I'm going to say lightly and respectfully in the first one with PTSD and genera- intergenerational right. trauma and how it's passed. While this one, you are inciting a mob. You are trying to talk about community trauma but you don't show the ramifications of that trauma which leads to the suicide is highly irresponsible because it just becomes shock value with no substance and when there's no substance it's just bad right it's just really really bad it felt like that they were trying they were trying to use it as like an emotional manipulation tactic you know what i'm saying exactly what it's like you know when they corner this poor innocent man that they've like all they've incorrectly named their target he uh you know it leads to something really tragic that nobody seems to really pay very much mind to once it happens people are Mm kind of like shocked they're like oh this man commits suicide everybody gasps and then goes about their day it was like okay what did we learn from this (laughs) i would have preferred with this whole mob thing and maybe this is just what I would was expecting, maybe not expecting, but hoping for, was that they would actually come together as a community and ended up mm-hmm. doing something positive, which I think they like think that they did that at the end of this, but I wish it was more organized. I wish that they had an organized attack on Michael. That would have been exciting to me. I was hoping that the finale of this movie was going to be like them luring Michael to the house and then everybody comes together to fight him in the house or something along those lines like everybody gets their moment but it uh it didn't really pan out that way the whole mob thing just sort of was a dead end in that i was always thinking Mm -hmm. that it was going to be more like halloween 4 where there's like this group of six people that are just on the hunt for michael and i kind of thought that that it was just going to be the survivors but then to see like hundreds of people gathering behind this i was like i it, it made it like, too messy. I'm like, I don't even know where to look. And I guess that's the point mm-hmm. as far as like the filmmaking of it all. But at the same time, it's like for the story's sake, it was too messy, too sloppy. You shot too far. Yeah, exactly. I I appreciate the concept. I don't think the execution was good. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Back at the Myers house, Big John and Little John hear a knock at the back door, then the front door. No one is there, but they find blood on the door frame. They hear a noise upstairs and Big John goes to investigate. He enters their bedroom and Michael emerges. Michael stabs him and shoves his thumbs into John's eye sockets. Little John finds Big John's dead body and Michael staring blankly out of the window. Michael then kills Little John off screen. At the hospital, the crowd is going wild looking for Tivoli. Lori injures her surgical site during the chaos and she is taken back to her room. Karen finds Tivoli and helps him lock himself in a hospital corridor. When the crowd discovers him, they begin to break through the doors to get to him. With no other choice, Tivoli throws himself out of a window, his body smashing on the concrete below. Lee Brackett confirms that he is not Michael. He yells at Tommy and the mob that they've all turned into monsters. Lori laments to Frank, blaming herself for being Michael's target. He confesses that it is actually his fault that he prevented Dr. Loomis from shooting Michael dead, unaware of the evil Michael possessed. Frank explains that Michael is not after her, that it was Dr. Sartain who reunited Michael with Lori. He recalls what Officer McCabe told him about Michael staring out of Judith's window, not looking out, but staring at his own reflection. How do we know this? What's going on? He didn't do this in 78. God, fuck, he was only there for one night. Jesus. 
All Michael wants is to be home. Oh. Oh, there it is. Karen decides she needs to go to the Myers house to find Allison. She runs into Tommy again, who offers to drive her there as he is still insisting he needs to kill Michael. So the gays are back. Um, they, they bring some really weird moments again, tonally to this movie. There's like this random scene. So they hear a knock and then we have this scene where big John takes about five minutes to take off his jewelry that we watch. And, it's like, <laughs> and then we have their murders, which is a pretty gruesome murder. I think, um, yeah, big John kind of getting stabbed in his tit and then, um, <laughs> oh, yeah. eyes gouged out, fingers cut off, teeth knocked yes. out. <laughs> <laughs> um, I always, I, I don't know, I, I always cringe whenever this stunt is pulled in the slasher movies where they do the eyes, the fingers and the eyes. It's always mm. really cringy to me. Little John's, he, Michael McDonald literally screams the way he does in Austin Powers <laughs> when he's getting run over. <laughs> literally. Like, he's like, Michael. You've come home. You've come home. Oh my god! <laughs> I was like, were they waiting for this moment? I, 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 yeah, I don't know. It, it definitely felt like American Horror Story. And if anyone has listened yeah, to the talking queers, you know that we hate the writing in American Horror Story. So I'm like, <laughs> uh, I don't like this. Yeah. I think they should have had a woman. At this point, they should have just had a woman scream as he's, you know, when they show that upstairs window, and he's like, Michael, you've come home. It should have just been like. Like a stock scream. (laughs) (laughs) I did like the posing of the bodies once he was done with them, though. How he posed them. Oh, so romantic. And the fashion of their... Of their portrait. the fashion of their photo shoot. (laughs) He loves a pose. He loves to pose bodies. Michael's so artistic. I mean, he did the same thing when when they found the, the, uh, the bodies in the park and everything. Like, they had the masks on. They're, like, rotating. Like, he's all about the poses. He loves it. Yeah. This is his once a night killing. He's gonna go all out. It's a full production. He's mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's all about the aesthetic. Halloween is my jam. Absolutely. <laughs> so then so then we get back to this mob scene. The mob is like running through the hospital, just going absolutely fucking bananas. And Lori's all of a sudden in the midst, middle of it. But then like Lori gets it in the stomach and all of a sudden her guts are literally hanging out. And they're like, gotta take it. Mom, you gotta go back. And she's like, I can do it. And there's like her, literally her fucking <laughs> in, intestines. Should have kept her activity ass in that hospital bed. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. And then we we get her back to the room. And then all of a sudden, she's like totally fine. And she's like by the window, like <laughs> soliloquizing to, <laughs> to Hawkins. It's all my fault. I brought him to Haddonfield. He's been after yeah. me. But also, I was like, Lori, you do realize that you were one of four people that were attacked that night, right? You just happened to live. Why do you think that (laughs) his purpose for killing your friends across the street was to get to you? I don't like how much they've traumatized these characters in this version for how little happens to them in the old version. I know, know exactly. I mean, yes, it's traumatizing. She was almost murdered. 
But at that point, I would have preferred them to be introduced in this 2018 universe as like just living their lives. Oh God, I almost forgot about that. Yeah, I do kind of remember that. Oh my that. God. That's a little more H2O. Well, she's still traumatized as fuck in that too. She's an alcoholic. But also H2O, he killed like 16 people. He was after her in H2O. Oh, that, that, that's true. That's true. That is and true. And this one, he's killed yeah. three of two of her friends, one of their boyfriends, and she just happened to get away. Maybe I'm just desensitized, but I'm not as, I just don't find this as compelling as they do. Well, they mentioned that in 2018 when all the friends are talking about, they're like, well, like three people died. Like worse things happen every day. Like what, what is even happening? Exactly. Well, in this one, they're just like, no, it is traumatizing. And I live, I live, I live, I live. I is my favorite line when Frank was just like, it's not about you. Is not about you, Lori. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You know what, yeah. though? That was my initial reaction, too, is that when he's like, it's not about you. Like, Dr. Sartain brought him there. Mm-hmm. At first, I was like, yes. But then I was like, this takes away a lot from the legacy, from the franchise. <laughs> it uh, From the legacy. I mean, they have to address how, how much she believes this is about her when it really isn't about her at all. It isn't. But then my thought is, like, why then why is she in this? <laughs> I mean, yeah, kill her. That's then. True. Just kill her. It's nothing to do with yeah. her. Kill her. <laughs> but then they're, then they're also like really trying to make Hawkins happen. Like it's not going to happen. <laughs> like he's like, I also have a lot to do with this because I, I stopped him from being executed. He's like, but now I know that he's evil and he needs to die. I'm like, and then she says, and I need to be the one to kill it. I'm like, bitch. The only thing that needs to die is this script because <laughs> well, everyone, <laughs> everyone's obsession switched to this one. Last one, everyone wanted to hear Mikey talk. And in this one, everyone's like, no, I'm going to be the one to do it. I'm going to be that bitch. Okay. Then let's talk about this window thing. Do we, how do we feel about this idea of like, he just wants to like stand at the window. I hate it. Point blank period. But also like just the explanation of it, like, you know, because Frank is making this up as he goes to be a part of the story, obviously, because yeah. he's like, oh, well, my partner told me that night that like when he used to play with Michael, that Michael would always stare out of his sister's window. So why was he at the Wallace house? Why was he looking at Lori? Why did any of this yeah. 1978 stuff happen? I think that they needed to come up with a better concept for why he did what he did in 1978 to make more sense but staring out of his mm-hmm. bedroom window his childhood bedroom window like he had all night to do that in 1978 and like and I, I was reading that they were like yeah it's really about like self-reflection and everybody has you know something to look at their self for whether it's, it's Michael it's too heavy handed yeah it, it, they think it's way like, like I said they think it's way smarter than it actually is like it just it convolutes your story I think it gives too much credit to the script you guys thought you, if people assume that I'm glad that you that's your interpretation However, I think you're giving way too much credit to this. It's so heavy handed that they literally put that horrible CGI uh, like composite of Karen in the reflection looking at herself. (laughs) He's like, he stares himself in the reflection. She turns around and looks at her own reflection. (laughs) (laughs) Who is that girl I see? (laughs) Because all he wants to do is go home, which again is not true. That is not what happens in 1978. I'm sorry. That is not the truth. Who cares about the house? Like, why is Michael doing this? They didn't think about it. They're trying to get him from point A to point B. And that's, that's all it is at the end of the day is that the script was made to, to, to bridge 
one movie to the next movie. And I think that's what it's so upsetting about this movie is that it is clearly a bridge movie. And I, it is my least favorite thing on the planet when you set something up to make me watch something else in a different movie. And that is exactly, that is exactly what you're trying to do here, except that your setup is awful. It's awful. Mm. The setup is awful. Like what, what is, what is even is the setup? It makes no sense. It makes no sense. So um, why don't we finish this off? Let's get to this finale. Lonnie, Cameron, and Allison map out Michael's victims and conclude that he's heading to his childhood home. When they arrive at the Myers home, Lonnie tells Cameron and Allison to stay in the car as he enters the house. It isn't long before Cameron and Allison hear a gunshot and decide to go in armed with guns. They find the bodies of Big John and Little John. Cameron then finds his dad's body hanging out of the attic. Michael attacks Cameron, stabbing him several times in the stomach. Allison tries to shoot, but Michael knocks the gun out of her hand. She proceeds to stab him a few times with a knife she pulled from Little John's body. Michael throws Allison down the stairs and she breaks her leg when she lands. Michael viciously kills Cameron by way of the banister, finishing him off by snapping his neck. Just as he gets ready to stab Allison, Karen appears, shoving a pitchfork into Michael's back. She removes his mask and leads him to Tommy's mob in an alley. Karen leaves his mask on the street. He puts it on and then is swarmed by the mob who then proceed to jump him. Michael lays on the floor, seemingly dying. Karen takes one final stab, shoving a knife in his back. At the hospital, Lori explains that the more Michael kills, the more he transcends into something inhuman that cannot be defeated. The fear he gives people is the true curse of Michael Myers. Just then, Michael jumps up and kills the mob one by one, starting with Lee Brackett and ending with Tommy. Returning to Michael's childhood home, Karen stares into the upstairs window, visualizing a young Michael staring out blankly. She makes her way to Judith's room, trying to make sense of it all. Michael appears behind her and stabs her to death. When Karen drops dead, Michael stares out his window, while Lori stares out of her hospital window. The end. <laughs> Cute. Give wow. a big hand for Halloween kills. <laughs> That's a wrap on Karen, everybody. We get Cameron's death, and this has to be, of all the brutal-ass deaths, this has got to be probably, I think, the craziest one. I thought it was the best one. It was the best one, for sure, but goddamn, he gets fucked up. He, As he should. He had to come in, too. <laughs> That's true. St- stabbed in the stomach, just neck, just rang like a little chicken. This banister fight reminded me of Rachel and Brady taking on Michael Myers in Halloween Forks. I, I think it's yeah. fresh in my mind because ju- I just watched it <laughs> because this reminded me so much of it. I was like, I need to watch Halloween 4. Um, <laughs> but like, it was intensified, and I, do, I did like this sh- throwing his head through the banister, shoving his neck into the broken pieces, and then twisting his neck around but i'm like like, he wouldn't die he had to do something yeah (laughs) just fucking die well that's the thing they were like we want to make these deaths as long as possible the human body doesn't just give up over one stab wound (laughs) (laughs) yeah over over three stab wounds and severe neck trauma and this reboot the victims are just as strong as michael is seriously (laughs) yeah they're all made out of rubber and then so yeah allison gets all fucked up she's pushed down the stairs and then who comes to her rescue other than miss karen and i will say the entire audience in my showing cheered oh. i was like oh uh, yeah it was like everybody's like Woo! <laughs> and then she proceeds to not do a goddamn thing after you want to kill somebody kill me i'm an innocent woman just like your sister was <laughs> <laughs> 
I was like, oh no. I My reaction to Karen showing up wasn't, I knew she was going there. I knew that Allison wasn't going to die. Yeah. You know, I was like, she's not going to die. I mean, at this point, why not? Because clearly there's nothing the Strode family has to offer at this point. They're not, they're nothing. They're nobody. Yeah. And so I knew it was coming back. <laughs> my reaction was because like, as soon as she put that pitchfork in his back, I was just like writing in my nose. I'm like Halloween five, you know, but um, yeah. I, this was lackluster. I mean, I thought she was going to do more. I thought she was going to like stab him, fuck him up, bite him. We all did. No. And then she leads Michael out to this crowd of people. And then she, utters her catchphrase. <laughs> gotcha. As all Karens say when they lead people to their doom. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. I'm calling your manager. Gotcha. Gotcha. Gotcha fired. Yeah, bitch. Um, and then, then we get this, the mob scene. Everybody showed up to, to fight. They showed up with anything they could. And Miss Iron Lady herself has become quite the viral meme. Oh my god. Thank you for mentioning her. <laughs> I knew that he killed a group of firefighters. So you know what I'm going to take? My fucking iron. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. What you got on my iron? Oh my god. I'm like, did, I wonder if they let these extras pick their own, their own prop. And she was like, I don't know. There's something about the iron is calling to me. <laughs> Iron Lady is going to be a full-blown character next. The Iron Maiden? Like, no, she better not show up. <laughs> She's going to be the one that ends Michael. She kills him. It was totally the same energy of Kathy and Jimmy coming out with the vacuum and Hocus Pocus. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, fine. They beat him up and he's miserable laying on the ground. But I didn't like when he gets back up and starts slashing everybody. It reminded me of, um... When the ghost face from Scary Movie is doing that rap, he's like, I'm a slash it. Gash and rip another hole in your ass. (laughs) It was like that, but it was also like Scary Movie 2 when they're playing basketball and each of them get a turn in the spotlight. (laughs) Especially because of the cinematography of the fight scene, how it was like completely blacked out in the background. It was just like close-ups. It was like they were using portrait mode on your iPhone to film it. I wasn't completely mad at the cinematography of the scene, although because it was such a, a change of pace from the rest of the movie, it was just like, where did this scene yeah. come? Did y'all choose a different cinematographer for the last scene of the movie? And then here we go again, like elaborating more on the mythos of Michael. Okay, so before it was that he's just endlessly trying to kill his bloodline or get after his sister or the sister's daughter or whatever what have you but now that they're not related now we're like okay well what is michael now that we've you know humanized him in 2018 and now we're dehumanizing him he is evil he is an <laughs> it and not a person now we're gonna explain what our mythology is behind michael and it goes as follows uh, the more he kills the more he transcends into something that cannot be defeated and the fear that he gives people is the curse I'm like, welcome to the club, Michael. Like, how original, Jason and Freddy. I'm pretty sure that's all the same thing. (laughs) Our Michael can't die either. Like, what? Okay, I I didn't like that because the whole reason I liked 2018 was because they made him human. They made it like a real thing. Like, it wasn't like this, like, supernatural monster like all everybody else. And now they just got rid of that and made it... Oh, he can't be defeated. It's the fear that's the true curse of Michael Myers. And everyone's like, yeah. oh God, the Halloween 6 tackling. I'm like, I don't give a fuck about any of that. What I'm concerned about is that that's their mythology. That's your mythology that he's trying to look out of a window, killing everybody <laughs> that gets in his way. And he, the fear that he gives people, that's the cur- That's the problem. And he, the more he kills, the stronger he gets. 
no, not, I'm not. I don't accept that. You need to come up with something else for the last movie because this is not acceptable. <laughs> yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And then we lose another legacy character in Tommy, um, and then get the surprise twist at the end that Miss Karen gets it, uses not a single ounce of her training. It's almost like they tried to shoot it like Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. Thank you. I thought the same thing. Right? A close-up of her mouth and then her shoulder and her clavicle and then her... Yeah. Ah, 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 ah. I was like, this looks ridiculous. Of all the brutal kills <laughs> that we've seen this entire movie, and now this is how we're filming them? I know. And Karen gets the short end of the stick. It, and again, it feels tonally different than the rest of the movie. All these vicious kills, and then Miss Karen gets killed in this very classical, chic cinematography way. Yeah. I'm like, what? She should have been the most brutal. She's the only character yeah. we cared about dying. I mean, maybe maybe they're trying to keep it open that she's going to come back. or You know, if Hawkins can live through being stabbed in the neck. And bitch, I'm one of those people that looks for spoilers. So I knew she was dying in this movie because it was came out very early. Every, on everybody was like, Everyone yeah, knew. they were saying the rumors. Yeah, the rumors she's were going to die. They should have, they should have um, reshot it where Allison dies. At this point, I don't care. Like, kill everybody. I don't care. Seriously, <laughs> I hope Michael's the last one standing at the end of Halloween ends. I know, I hope he wins. Makes it sense. doesn't make sense to the character of Karen, especially at the urgency that she's had at this and her trying to protect everybody. And then now that she has protected everybody, you're telling me that she let her guard down and then that, whatever. Also the cops, but also other things. She's just walking around this house. That's a cr- active crime scene. A fresh crime walking scene. Walking over dead bodies, <laughs> literally, to get to this room. <laughs> I don't mind that Karen died. I just, I always think that if you're ever going to do another sequel, get characters that were in the original need to die. Yeah. Everybody needs to fucking die. This is like the reason why Halloween ends will obviously happen. So now she, ha- yeah, she, reason she, for the season. she lost her power because it was everybody's trauma, not just hers. And now it is her trauma because now he just murdered her daughter. Well, if anything, it should be (laughs) Allison. I don't want to see Lori again, honestly. I don't think she contributed anything to the storyline. We've stripped her of her purpose. Now we have a girl whose two parents are dead because of this killer. It should be about her. I don't want to see Lori again, honestly. I mean, you're not (laughs) going to... Unfortunately, that's not how it's going to happen because they (laughs) love fan service. (laughs) I'm just having complicated feelings about this whole new storyline and mythology. It's not feeding me, right? It's because it got very messy with this movie. So, okay, my final thoughts on this. I would say that I don't... It's not that I don't find this movie entertaining. I actually do find this movie really fun and entertaining. But I oh. but I think it is a really bad and disappointing follow-up to 2018. Mm-hmm. I, can, I think standalone, like, we've watched way worse slasher movies and thought they were totally. great. And so... I don't so I'm like oh that was fun I was entertained people got murdered it was fun to watch whatever but I think looking back on 2018 and how much potential this story had to keep going this movie is so disappointing in that that it like hurts it like hurts you're like oh mm-hmm. my god wait what you had all this potential to take this somewhere really great and we just fucked it up like a lot and it yeah. like sucks as like of a fan of the franchise because you're like man this should have been way better and so mm-hmm. for that out of five i give this a 2.5 okay i would say that i definitely appreciate the fan service and i do think yeah. that 
people are going to love this because it feeds their soul. Like it's feeding their nostalgia and also like their thirst for seeing more Michael kill more people. But it's everything you just said, like 2018 set us up for, wow, this is going to be the best set of sequels ever. And then we're like, and I guess in every set, you have to have that one bad one. I just think that the ideas that they had for this trilogy should have been limited to Halloween 1978, 2018, and then it ends. I think that there were the ideas they put into this that mattered could have been condensed I don't think that mm-hmm. we needed any of this drawn out the way that they did. It just feels like a transitional mm-hmm. piece that has no beginning, no middle, no end. It just mm-hmm. is a bunch of random ass scenes compiled yeah. together. And I, I didn't care about any of it, but the, it still has energy enough to keep you entertained, but it does nothing for you intellectually. Yeah. My final rating would be, um, it also would be two and a half out of five. I was struggling between two and a half and three. I was going to choose three because I didn't want to be crucified. I was very disappointed, like a lot of the other friends of this movie, as both of you have stated. 2018 was such a solid setup for what we thought was going to be a solid like trilogy. And I agree wholeheartedly when all three of you say that this is very much a filler movie in this new trilogy that they have presented. A lot of it just miss the mark and this whole mob mentality was just like shoved down the audience's throat you can tell it was very much written during this time whether it was before during or after it was still very much a sign of the times i go to the movies to escape reality i don't want to see my reality plastered on the movie screen (laughs) and so to see like what i'm seeing in the news plastered on one of my favorite horror franchises was not the tea for me (laughs) Um, so given all its faults and all the things I do like about it, I'm going to have to just give it a two out of five. Wow. Even lower. We're getting (laughs) (laughs) everyone's talked about it. I don't know if we can like keep pushing this movie down farther because there was (laughs) anticipation. And like Jake said that this movie relies on 2018. It's not even if I were to look at this movie separately, if I would enjoy it because it relies completely on 2018. That's true. Half of Mm. the movie is clips of 2018. (laughs) (laughs) If I'm just looking at it solely as a movie on its own, there's nothing to it except great kills. And usually I can get past that. But when a movie is really trying hard to say something, but not understand what it's saying, that aggravates me more than anything else. Because 2018 was great. It had a lot to say. It wanted a lot to say. This one is just, it's like, it. I know that Halloween Ends is going to be the big finisher. And this one is just kind of like, it's intermission time. I, I'm going to go to the bar. I'm going <laughs> to go get a drink really quick and then come back. So because of that, it's also a two out of five. I'm so sorry. It's a two. <laughs> I do have to make the argument because somebody was arguing that, you know, people are being very critical of Halloween too, but then we'll go out and buy Ghoulies 4 on Blu-ray. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. Understandable. <laughs> but, um, I mean, yes, but we're talking strictly in comparison with everything that it was set up to be. Right, like, exactly. Halloween 78, mm-hmm. Halloween 18. I'm not talking about comparing it to mm-hmm. fucking Ghoulies 4. I'm talking about <laughs> the, the its purpose in this universe of this franchise. Being a direct follow-up to a movie that was very good. Exactly. You know what you're going in for Ghoulies 2. When you're anticipating exactly. a movie like Halloween 2, like Halloween Kills, it's completely different. Yes. 
Thank you for joining us for this very disappointing episode. (laughs) (laughs) Shit. Um, We're so glad we could be here to talk about it. All the shade aside, we still enjoyed the movie thoroughly. We enjoyed recording this episode thoroughly. Of course. Will I watch this movie again? Probably. Probably a lot. I watched it twice already. I shat all over this movie, but I still watched it twice. I still threw all my fucking money at it. Absolutely. You know. It wasn't complete shit. It just stunk. Right. Exactly. All right. Well, that that brings us to the end of this episode. Um, Thank you, Carpenter Queens, for being here with us. (laughs) Thank you for having us. Absolutely. That was really fun. You know, it's always so fun to sort of get a different perspective than our own because, you know, Frankie and I are sometimes an echo chamber. We just, you know, <laughs> we, we just say the same shit all the time. And all, and know. now we have four people on the podcast that all said the same shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, now we know that we are justified in our views. <laughs> Before we go, we're going to plug our social media real quick. So um, you can find us on Instagram at Fear the Talking Queers. You can visit our website, www.feartheTalkingQueers.com. Anything else from you, Frankie? Yeah. um, No, I was going to, I was interested in hearing where we can find the Carpenter Queens. All right. right, Yeah. Let us know where and when they can listen to you. We stream and premiere every Wednesday. Uh, We are streaming on Spotify. Apple Podcasts, uh, Anchor, your mom's house at the local mall. Uh, your local Walkman. <laughs> <laughs> you can find us at The Carpenter Queens. Our Instagram is at The Carpenter Queens. Our Twitter is Carpenter at Queens. Carpenter we, Queens. Yeah, we couldn't afford the the. <laughs> so do with it what you will. Yes, and this means that if you guys uh, are Wednesdays and we're Fridays, this means this is the last time you'll hear from the Carpenter Queens and Fear the Talking Queers this Halloween season. So happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, happy Halloween everybody. everybody. Evil dies tonight. Yeah. Evil <laughs> dies tonight. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Sweet screams, bitch. Bye. 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 Bye.